0: Hello everyone, hello my beans of life and welcome to episode 45. So this episode, look I'm going to be honest with you guys, I did a poll on my Instagram asking if you wanted me to do an episode on attention, how to hold your attention, how to know if you've got ADHD, how to kind of improve your attention, all that kind of shit or if you wanted a podcast to be on how to teach people how to treat you. It was very, very, very close, so I am doing the attention one today, but next week I'm going to do the how to teach people how to treat you. To be honest, the teaching people how to treat you actually got slightly more votes, but the attention one, I also got a lot of DMs from people as well, being like, please, please, please talk about this one because I'm struggling so much. So I thought, yes, it got slightly less votes just by a handful, but... I feel like this one, a lot of people are quite desperate to hear me out on this topic. So I thought, let's just do it, do both, do this one first and then the other one next. They're both going to be great. Hopefully you'll love them both equally. Anyway, before we dive in, just a quick update of everything. I actually, this week has been very intense and I try my best to record the podcast like a few days out before the podcast goes up. It's currently Friday and it's going up on Sunday. Um, But this week I actually recorded the audio book for my book be bold um it is so hard my respect goes out to all those audiobook readers and just narrators in general that have to read all this text because like I'm sitting in this booth and then like it's obviously like a soundproof booth I've got my headphones in and I'm reading my book off of this big iPad with an obviously with a mic in front of me and then in the booth next to me there's a big glass wall there's the editor and when he speaks I can hear him through my headphones as well and You have to like. I have to speak so much slower, and I speak lightning fast in general and on the podcast just all the time. I've always spoken very fast, and my mum always jokes to me. She's like, "Oh my god, you could easily slow it down." Do you ever get complaints that you talk too fast? But I'm like, if I didn't talk this fast, these podcasts would be like two hours long. So it's kind of served me quite well in my life to be a speed talker, Um, and I don't often get complaints. Only from probably my mother and. Yeah, my mother. And I'm sure that people find it annoying, but they, I just don't get complaints about it. However, when reading an e-book, you have to go pretty slow. And I did the first paragraph and he's like, yeah, right, that was great. Just do a quarter of the pace. I'm like, what? And he's like, basically, when you're reading a book, if you if you want to go back to something, you just flip it back. Um, but it's harder to do that in, in to find the exact point in an audio book. So you want to give people time to process that information. So... Reading this book out while trying to put all my personality and emotion into it but slowing it down was a whole new skill that I had to develop over a really short amount of time. So if you guys do want to have that audiobook version, the book will be available in an audiobook version. So when that's all done and happening, I'll obviously share that information with you guys too. But it was mentally exhausting and it's actually really good that we're talking about attention um, because thank fuck that I have been working on myself to increase my attention span. And I've been doing that with a whole bunch of things with like writing the book and studying at uni. And I've been working on my attention span, but my God, that requires attention span. Literally sitting there four hours at a time, nonstop, just reading slowly out loud without dropping your, you know, your intensity and without dropping your energy and without your, uh, and then I had to come straight, I had to go straight into like a four hours of uni lecture. So needless to say, my brain was fried. Um, that day. But it's done. So thrilled about that. Apart from that, the week's just been, you know, doing uni. Um, Yeah, so nothing thrilling to share with you. Now, I don't know yet if I'm going to put a brain fact in or not. There's quite a bit of stuff that I'd like to get through with this. And part of what I'll be talking about is actually brain facts as well. But how I'm going to break this down is I'm going to be talking about ADHD, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And I'm going to be breaking down what that means. And ADD is pretty much now is they have kind of grouped it in with ADHD. And I'll be explaining why that all is. So I'm going to speak about that. I'm going to talk about how it sort of presents from childhood into adulthood, what the prevalence rates are, like as in how how many people in the population have it. I'm going to be explaining all of that, how it is diagnosed, and what the actual criteria is around that. Then I'm going to be talking about just generally increasing your attention span because you might be a person like I was, like most people are, I think, where you struggle to hold your attention big time and you actually do not have. ADHD by any stretch of the imagination but you're like I just can't focus and I get really distracted and I get bored easily those three things are not enough to create a criteria for ADHD but I think a lot of people think that that is enough and I hear it all the time I've got ADD I've got ADHD you probably don't and you're going to probably this is my my um request for you if you read this list and you genuinely think oh that's me go and get a professional diagnosis, okay? You need to know for once and for all if this is you and if you can actually get some help because if you don't get help with these things, then you're going to suffer and many areas of your life are going to suffer, okay? Now, hopefully that all already opens up this for you to be able to realise that maybe you don't have it. I think a lot of people don't realise how hard life actually is for people with ADHD and they very quickly, uh, they're quick to throw this self-diagnosis on themselves, which whatever, fine, whatever, but they're quick to say, oh, no, I'm sure I have it, I'm sure I have it. But they're never going to go and get diagnosed because they know they don't have it and I think they like labelling themselves with it when they don't actually have it. If your life is fine and not that difficult because of your inability to focus, if you can still get by, if you can still maintain relationships as an adult... If you can still hold your job, if you can still maintain a relatively tidy home, you probably do not have ADHD. Okay, so I'm going to talk about all of that. Then the second part of this podcast will be on hacks on how to improve your focus and your attention span. Okay, so that's what we're going to be talking about. So without further ado, ado, is that how you say it? Yeah, well, there's no other way to say it really. Okay, let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, ADHD. Let's break it down. Basically, it's like a spectrum disorder really because in the sense that it's not you either have it or you definitely don't. There's quite a few different symptoms that can be that can present and you may not have all of the symptoms. I'm going to be giving you the actual breakdown of what the the diagnosis is what the criteria is in order for you to be diagnosed with it. Um, and they always, when they give you a criteria, there's all these different symptoms, but they say the patient must present with a minimum of X amount. So as a child, it's got to be a minimum of six, and as an adult, it's got to be a minimum of five. So I'll be going over that in a bit. But basically, you can have all of the symptoms, or you can have the minimum number of symptoms, and you could still have it. Another thing that you want to know is that there's three kinds of ADHD. So this is where ADD has then been brought into the whole spectrum of ADHD. So you've got number one, which is the attention deficit side of things so it's the inattentiveness so that's where the add comes in you've got the second type which is just the hyperactivity and they aren't as affected by the attention deficit and then you've got the third type which is the most common and that is a combination of both you've got that that um, inattentiveness and the hyperactivity as well so there's those three subtypes of ADHD. And when you look at the diagnostic manuals and things like that, you're not going to see ADD anymore. It's all going to be ADHD and you're going to be a subcategory of that. Now, an important thing to think about is that ADHD is a developmental disorder. So, it must have been, or some of these symptoms must have been present in childhood because it is, it has got to do with how you develop as a child, okay? If you have struggles Um, with attention now but you never did as a child you're probably going to have something else and not adhd because that has got to do with development and your rate of developing in comparison to like the cohort or the general population of your age group um for a lot of people they find that as a child as a young child it can kind of be managed even though it's frustrating for the parents it's manageable to some extent and then it does get harder To manage as an adult because you've got more tasks and more responsibilities that are demanded from you as an adult so that's why it can be a bit more difficult to manage but the prevalence drops as adults so for whatever reason and like the stats kind of we don't know exactly where and how it's clear but there are more children that have it about roughly five percent of the population of children are diagnosed with ADHD versus roughly 2.5 to 3 percent in adults who have ADHD so that's roughly the statistics so obviously there is a drop rates you know they kind of can develop out of that possibly and sometimes they don't. Now here's where the big difference is because you've got to understand that you might not feel that you can hold your attention or like you've got this inattentiveness that's like just prevalent through your whole life but you've also got to understand that our culture and the way we are set up to live our lives Everything around us is promoting this distraction or or inattentiveness constantly. That's just how everything is built around us now. We're always, our attention is constantly being pulled left, right and center. So if it's for you, it's, it's purely that you struggle to hold focus and that is the only symptom that you have, then you just have to work on bettering how you can hold your focus and like lengthening your attention span, okay? The difference is that with ADHD, The patients present with specific clinical features which are very different to that. It's not just I can't hold my attention on something. So I'm just going to name a bunch of them and people with ADHD have some if not all of these. So inconsistent performance at work, a history of academic and career underachievement, struggling to manage day-to-day responsibilities like getting you know basic chores done or dropping this thing off or picking this thing up, um, struggling to complete tasks and then this puts strain on their relationships like their partners and their friends because they never do what they said they were going to do. Chronic stress and or anxiety and this normally comes from failure of getting tasks done or achieving your goals or meeting your deadlines because you're always like falling short of doing those things. It then causes you quite intense um, anxiety or chronic stress chronic frustration, constant feelings of guilt and blame, um, emotional dysregulation, um, struggling with emotions, not being very patient, struggling to plan ahead, they can't really organize themselves for the future. Um, and it really does impair the quality of your life because you're looking at your job performance is dropping down constantly because you just can't can't keep up. Your relationships are suffering because you're not paying attention to what that person said. You're always forgetting what they did tell you. Um, and you're also forgetting what you had agreed to do with them. Like you just aren't paying attention when you say, yep, I'll do that for you or yep, I'll be there at that time. And then you're always like kind of, it, it looks like, you just don't care and you're ignoring them. So, your your partners or your friends like kind of struggle a lot with this. Um, second to that, it's also very common to have a comorbidity and comorbidity is like a, a co-presence basically with another condition and it's really common that it has a comorbidity with depression. So, this is in both children and adults um, because – and especially with children, what happens is because these children are underperforming at school – and then they're struggling in these areas at school because they're underperforming, because they can't hold the attention, then they get performance anxiety when it comes to them actually like getting up and doing a speech or having to do this assessment or test. They get quite anxious and sometimes depressed because they can't, They feel that they're not going to be able to do it because they're aware that they have not kept up with their cohort as well. And then this kind of bleeds onto adult life if you're trying to do uni work or if you're trying to do work in your own job as well. This is not to say that people with ADHD are not as intelligent. That's not the case at all. There are many very intelligent people with ADHD, but they have to find ways that they can use their skills and their creativity and their intelligence in a way that works for them and often that way does not slot into the general way that like a school is run a uni is run or a job is run they really struggle to fit into those guidelines because their attention span is a lot shorter and maybe they they're able to pay attention maybe really late at night and then at this weird time in the morning and and then not at all during the day and they can't do it for 45 minutes but maybe they can for 10 so it's kind of really disjointed and if they can find something that works for them then they can actually be quite successful and a lot of people that have ADHD and are quite creative and intelligent often end up, you know, having either like being like a contractor or subcontractor where they're working for themselves or their own business as well, where they can work their own hours in their own kind of like structure. Okay now let's go into the actual diagnostic criteria. Now this criteria is taken from a manual called the DSM. You may or may not have heard of it but it's really really popular in psychology and psychiatry and it's how to diagnose disorders. Now It's actually really, really difficult to create a diagnosis for a disorder because most people have a kind of slightly different presentation. It's really hard to find two cases that are identical. But what they have found is that in most cases, there's like these main traits And then you may have more or less, but they are kind of these main traits. The DSM stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So it's this handbook, and this one's from the DSM-5, it's the fifth edition. And it's basically the most commonly used diagnostic manual in Australia and the United States at least for mental disorders, okay? Um, so that's anything psychi- psychiatric, psychological, all of that, um, developmental disorders, everything like that. There are other diagnostic manuals, but I'm not going to go into it because that is not what this podcast is about. And I nearly died of boredom in my lecture. They're talking about different diagnostic manuals. So I don't need to make you suffer like I did. Anyway, so let's go into the actual diagnosis of ADHD, what the, what the clinical symptoms are, Now this is for an adult, for children it's slightly different but for an adult they have to have a minimum of five and these minimum of five is spread across the two categories of the inattentive diagnosis and the hyperactive impulse type diagnosis. So again you could be one of either or you could be both. So you're going to have a minimum of five and then there's going to be additional requirements to meet the criteria to be diagnosed with ADHD. So here we go, inattentive diagnosis. These are the traits or the symptoms that you're looking for. Poor listening skills loses or misplaces items, sidetracked by external or unimportant stimuli, forgets daily activities, diminished attention span, lacks ability to complete schoolwork or assignments or the ability to follow instructions, avoids or is disinclined to begin work or activities requiring concentration and fails to focus on details and makes thoughtless mistakes in assignments or work. Okay, so that's the inattentive diagnosis. The next one is the hyperactive impulse type and these are the symptoms you're looking for. Squirms when seated. Um, Marked restlessness that is difficult to control. Appears to be driven by a motor in the sense that they are always on the go. Uh, Lacks the ability to play or engage in leisure activities in a quiet manner. This is more for obviously children. Um, Incapable of staying seated down normally in a classroom environment overly talkative difficult waiting for difficulty waiting for their turn and interrupts or intrudes into conversations and activities of other people okay so they need to have a minimum of 5 of those symptoms either in one or across both those categories but a, a, in addition to that they must have these additional requirements so if they don't have these next few things then you can you can and will not be diagnosed as ADHD so these are the additional necessary requirements. The symptoms must have been present prior to the age of 12. Symptoms are not better accounted for by a different psychotic disorder, e.g. a mood disorder, anxiety disorders, et cetera, and do not occur exclusively during a psychotic disorder, e.g. schizophrenia. Um, and then symptoms are not exclusively a manifestation of oppositional behavior. Um Cool. So that's basically what the diagnostic criteria is. If you think that maybe this you might fall into that category, I highly recommend you go and see a professional because they're going to be able to give you kind of a plan to help you work through the areas where you struggle the most with and that you want some assistance with. And, you know, if you speak to someone, you can have, you know, not just, not just um, medication, but there's a lot of like psychotherapy and stuff you can do with psychologists and psychiatrists to really help you manage the areas where you're struggling with. And it can be quite... Um, successful for you. So that there is basically a wrap up of what ADHD and the subcategory ADD is. Um, Like I said a million times earlier, if you think that's you, definitely go get it checked out and go see if you can have some sort of treatment plan for you to help you in those areas in your life. However, if you were always someone that's like, I have ADD or ADHD and then you heard me explain that list and you're like, whoa, okay, that's definitely not me. My relationship's aren't struggling my life isn't you know like my performance isn't struggling but I just really struggle to hold my attention on something what can I do about it then listen on because now I'm going to be talking about how to increase your attention in areas of your life there's a whole bunch of things that you can do and I'm just going to break them down into different sections okay there are going to be six things that I'm going to be talking about number one let's break it down number one you're going to learn how to train your focus okay so we all think we as people we as individuals we as a society we all think that we can multitask and multi-focus but how many times is our comprehension of a certain stimulus compromised because we don't give it our full attention it's not true that we can multitask you can only do one conscious activity properly at a time and then you can be doing subconscious things as well, okay? But things such as like visual focus, that is a conscious activity. So when you are driving, for example, like why do, why do you think that so many accidents happen when people text and drive or when people are on the phone and driving? Because their attention is split. Their reaction time is going to have a lag because by the time they quickly switch the attention, even if they think it's a millisecond, for them to go from being focused in the zone to then glancing down and trying to refocus on something else, comprehend that, to glance back up and focus in the zone is longer than you think, okay? So the reason that you, if you text and drive, the reason you haven't had an accident, it's not because you're some genius that does it better than everyone else, It's because you are delusional and it's a numbers game and you just haven't been struck yet. That is why you haven't had an accident when you're texting and driving because it's pretty much inevitable that if you continue to do something where your attention is split and your focus is divided, that shit is going to hit the fan at one point in your life. Now, to look at it from a way less dramatic point of view um, from, you know, Texting and driving and potentially killing yourself. Highly don't recommend you do that. But this also works in things when you're like doing stuff around the house. Like, say, you're trying to read a book when you're also got your ear listening to what the television is saying. Like, say, there's the news on. And then before you know it, you're like, oh my God, I literally have just read, you know, three pages and I have no idea what I just read. Or let's say you're cooking. And at the same time, you're trying to tend to something and you think you're paying quite a, quite close attention to what you're cooking, but all of a sudden you've burned something and you're like, oh my God, how did this happen? I'm so flustered. How did I burn this thing? This happens all the time. Now, when I talk about doing something subconscious versus doing something conscious, driving again is a perfect example. You driving, going through the movements, that is your subconscious behaviors, right? Comprehending stimuli that comes into your attention to then divert or pay attention to traffic lights or move away from a car, that is conscious um, actions, okay? So one is just this route learnt behaviour that you've gotten really good at that you can do with your eyes closed. Anyone could drive in a big open space as far as like whether it's manual or automatic, you understand how to operate a car. The conscious perception that's occurring when you're driving is your response to the external okay so you when you're driving you're already doing both things driving in and of itself because you've got visual perception and your motor abilities that is your subconscious and your conscious attention already taken up so people think oh but you know I've been driving for years I can drive with my eyes closed it's fine I can then divert my attention no you can't because you then take away your conscious attention of paying attention to the stimulus coming in okay and i really learned how much goes on on the road when i started riding a motorcycle because You can't text, you can't be changing music, you're not doing fuck all, but sitting on this thing and paying attention to what's going on. So it's up to you how focused you want to be, but you become hyper aware of where every car is placed around you. You know, like you, you begin to really understand, okay, that car, I'm in that car's blind spot, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. And you can be as focused or as unfocused as you want, but it made me Really appreciate being present. And now, whenever I do drive a car, I'm not remotely inclined to text because I never do anyway. Because people say, Oh, so you never grab your phone when you're driving. I'm like, I ride a motorcycle. So it's not possible for me. So it should also be very possible for everyone else to not grab their phones. It's just a matter of learning to pay attention. Now, the problem is that we, like I said earlier, we're in a society, an environment that we have created as humans, we've created it for ourselves where we cannot hold our attention for long enough. Everything has been designed to pull your attention because everything in this world is run by advertisement, okay? People want to sell. This is why so much money gets pumped into news, ads, movies, TV shows, um, social media, apps, everything. Everything will revolve around pulling your attention. When you watch the news... Why do you think there's that like ticker tape or whatever at the bottom of it? To keep you tuned in to watch the next thing that's coming up, right? Because even if you're not fully engaged to what they're saying in that moment, there's that strip at the bottom that's like – going through all the main headlines that they're going to be discussing in the news. Then you've got this little thing flickering at the top with this, the weather and the weather changes which city it's going to be and that's flicking. So you wait, you hold your attention there and then they might say something. that's. So you stay engaged. When you're on an app, you're constantly having your attention pulled to different things. There's all, you know, this whole idea of the algorithm. The point of the algorithm is to keep you on the app for longer and that's why the algorithm keeps changing and editing and changing because they're finding out that whatever's going to keep you on the app longer is to put things that you have engaged with in the past at the top of your feed okay it's not to fuck people over and to fuck accounts over it's so they can make more money because if they're putting all the accounts that you engage with the most on the feed you're less likely to be bored and you're less likely to close that app and move on and do something else right If they're like, we now know your behavior, we know your patterns, we know what you engage in and so we're going to put it right in front of you so it's very difficult for you to leave because this is all stuff that you like. It's all stuff that you've liked in the past. The same goes for Facebook with videos. It understands which videos you watch for longer than 10 or 15 seconds or whatever so then it's going to bump those into your feed. Everything is designed to pull your attention away from what you are doing or to keep you engaged a little bit longer and then even then when you're engaged a bit longer there's a distraction there to pull you into that next, you know, advertisement or that next window or this next one. It's next as long as you stay relatively kind of on that platform then they're thrilled. So they're going to keep trying to, you know, pull your attention here, there, here, there, but keep you in that platform, okay? And this happens across many different things, whether it's the news, apps, whatever. We're all aware of it. I don't need to go into crazy explanations of it. But what I'm saying is that we're so used to that, that we actually are not used to holding our attention or our focus for a prolonged period of time. We actually find it really difficult. And even I find it really, when I'm at uni, I'm like, fuck, this is a, like, I can't, glance down and check my phone out and if I do if I look down and text someone and look back up I've lost the train of thought I've literally lost half a slide because they move at such a fast pace so it makes you realize like why am I why do I have this need to glance away or to glance down or to be distracted because we've trained ourselves to be that way we've literally conditioned ourselves to always be you know um not this is not engaged I'm not engaged enough I need to change my focus Not, not, not 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 so we're constantly You know, not stimulated. We feel that we're not stimulated enough. The problem is we are overstimulated. We're not bored. We're overstimulated, okay? Boredom is where you do nothing and you have nothing to do and you're sitting there being like, oh, I don't. What you have when you're flicking from app to app to app is dissatisfaction. There's a huge difference between boredom and dissatisfaction. And I'm pretty confident to say that most of us rarely let ourselves experience true boredom true boredom where there's nothing stimulating us and we're not doing anything okay the problem is that we are dissatisfied and we are overstimulated and when we are overstimulated we're just on high alert for the next for the next notification or the next thing that's going to pull our attention so we're all we're pretty much just waiting for the next thing waiting 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 for the next thing so we're sitting here and while we're kind of paying attention we've got our like our our you know radar ready to pick up the next thing and then we go up jump over to that one up jump over to that one that's what you're doing all day long so it's no wonder why it's so difficult to you think okay I'm gonna start a project I'm gonna sit down I'm really excited I'm gonna sit down and after 10 minutes you're like fuck this is painful I don't know what I'm doing I can't think I can't focus I can't think straight that is not ADD or ADHD that is conditioned behavior which can be changed so the beauty of all of this that I'm saying it sounds really you know all gloom and doom but that can be changed you can train yourself out of it just like we we unknowingly trained ourselves into it we can very easily reverse that and it doesn't mean you have to like eliminate all the apps never be playing games on your phone no you can still have everything but you have to learn how to moderate your behaviors so to figure out if you're doing this just ask yourself do you watch Um, Netflix while you're also on the phone? Do you speak on the phone, on speakerphone, while scrolling through your phone at the same time so you can, you know, check if you've had any emails or notifications, whatever, but someone else is speaking to you on the phone? Do you check your phone when someone is trying to talk to you? That is my pet hate when I'm talking to someone and then they're looking at me and then they glance down and they open their phone, whether it's to text someone or whether it's to check someone. And then I'm literally like, is this cunt even listening to me? I feel like I'm talking to a wall. Pet hate. Do you know what you should do? If you are in a situation where you've got a notification come through and you know it's urgent and someone's talking to you, don't be a wanker. Just say to them, sorry, I actually really want to listen to what you're saying but I just very quickly need to reply. Could you hold that thought? That tells that person that you're talking to that you actually have paid attention to them so far and that you're very interested in what they're saying, but you have something urgent to attend to. People are very understanding and everyone will be okay with that. They'll be like, sure. The beauty of that, it's a twofold beauty. One, you improve your relationship with that person. You don't come across as a rude wanker. 2 You actually then pay attention to what that person is saying. So when you do glance away and reply, you reply way faster because you're not trying to half listen to this person and half reply. You get it done in half the time. You quickly reply. You put it away because you're like, I'm willing to give this person my full attention. And then you look that person back in the eyes and say, sorry, what were you saying? I was really interested. So I'm not saying that you can't break focus to do something else, but this whole you know, dismissive of people. This is where, like, the fucking world is, you know, getting a bit ridiculous. When someone, where you you have the opportunity of a real human connection and they are engaging with you, you are lucky enough that they are in choosing to spend their time talking to you and you glance away to look at something that someone else who's not even present in front of you. That is beyond rude and people don't even see it as rude anymore. It's fucked. So that's my pet hate, as you can probably tell, because that was quite a passionate thing but like I said again if you are in that situation and you need to text someone and you're having a conversation with someone it's just so simple as to say please stop I do want to listen to you okay that person will not be remotely offended I don't get offended if someone says that to me I'm fine I'm like yeah totally, I'll wait as long as you need to because I know that you're interested. If someone just glances away and looks down, I genuinely think this person doesn't give a flying fuck about what I'm saying. So the next time I speak to that person, I'm less inclined to tell them about that personal or exciting thing that I wanted to tell you. So if you feel that your relationships are boring or not much is happening, pay attention to how much attention you are giving that person and vice versa. How much attention are they giving you? Okay, you need full undivided attention when you are communicating with your friends and your family that is what will strengthen a relationship okay so now what do you do to retrain your focus you're going to find some tasks that are going to be like where you only do one thing at a time one of the best things to do is to read okay you are literally sitting down reading a book the beauty of reading is that it's different to a game that you play on your phone okay the the problem with playing a a game on your phone that's not really holding your attention because you are kind of engaging with this thing that's you know there's lights there's colors there's this the game is probably quite short and then you can play the next game so these games again are designed for people who can't hold their attention for long periods of time so a game is not ideal for what I'm trying to say if you really want to train your focus and your ability to stay on task for a prolonged period of time you want to be reading a book okay ideally a paper book you want to be sitting there you don't even have lights stimulating you you are holding a fucking book in your hand and you were reading the pages see how far you can get in that book without your thoughts going somewhere else Because you're going to notice at the beginning, your thoughts are going to wander and you're going to be like, I don't know what I just read. I literally read a paragraph and I don't know what I read. This is the perfect, perfect um, training ground for your brain because then it makes you go back, be present, read the words and continue on. Meditating is also a really good one, noting meditations. But for people that say, oh, I can't meditate... No, it's you haven't learned how to meditate yet. People that genuinely believe they can't meditate are the same people that genuinely believe that they could never get fit or they could never lose weight, okay? It's this idea of like you have not put into place the correct actions consistently for long enough to reap the rewards, you know? It's this idea of if people don't see results straight away, then they're done, okay? Now, a lot of you including myself, everyone, most of us are very used to this instant gratification. And if we don't get instant gratification, then we just feel it's not worth it, okay? So, what I would highly recommend everyone do is pick something that they can do in their life that actually takes them a persistence, consistency, and a long amount of time to finally get that end result, okay? So, whether you're trying to learn to do the splits, okay, you're going to have to stretch consistently every week to do that. You can't stretch one week and then nothing for two weeks because then you're back to square one and then start again one week. This is a consistent thing, consistency thing, and then you finally get to where you want to be after a certain period of time. This goes for people that are studying something. If you've ever done any kind of study, a course, a degree, whatever, that teaches you that you've got to stay, keep your head in the game for a long period of time in order to achieve something. If you've ever done any of those things, then you need to pay attention to where your language is around other areas. Because the amount of people that say I can't meditate is basically saying I have no control over where I place my attention, which you do. Okay, you actually do. So to say I can't meditate is you kidding yourself saying I just don't want to, which is fine. But you're saying, I don't want to meditate. I don't want to get into a clear headspace. I don't want to learn to control my attention and my mind a little bit more. That's what you're saying. Okay? So just change your language and call a spade a spade. Just say, I don't want to learn how to control my attention. Next time somebody says, you should meditate. Because meditating is basically trying to give us the tools that people and animals – well, pretty much what animals have now and what humans probably had a long, 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 long time ago. And it's the ability to be present in the moment. We've lost that for I'd say 99% of our lives. We have lost the ability to do that. And then the people that can do that often have been ones that have had to consciously realize that they haven't been doing that and learn how to become present again. So the people that are present now probably had to relearn how to do that. Okay, So this concept of being where you are right now and paying attention to what you're doing that is rare our thoughts are always wandering wild so reading a book is a really good way to train your focus to be in the moment meditating is a great one and noting meditation you don't have to be a pro put on a fucking youtube video and have it guided for you five ten minutes where someone's talking telling you what to think but it just helps you continue to bring your thoughts back to the moment back to the moment Another thing about meditating is that you don't have to have no thoughts and you don't have to be super present. It's the ability, the skill that you learn is the ability to recognize when your thoughts have wandered and to bring it back to the moment. It doesn't matter if your thoughts wander a thousand times in that 10-minute, you know, time frame. That's not, the, that's not the point. It doesn't matter. The point is how quickly can you recognize that it wandered and bring it back that's when you've had a good meditation because you're able to intercept the thoughts and you're able to be way more aware of your own thought patterns. Okay, number two, the next thing we're going to cover is reduce stimulation. Reduce stimulation means that I want you to now get a little bit more um, strict with yourself as to when you are going to have, and I'm going to use phones as an example because that's probably the time, the things that stimulate us the most when you're going to allow yourself to have those high moments of stimulation. If you are out with friends, please don't feel the need to be checking your phone all the time, okay? Yes, okay, answer to the occasional text message. Yes, you could use your phone to show your friends things if we're all engaging in the one thing. But if you're in a situation where you're engaging with your friends and you're looking down to check your apps, like Instagram, like your emails, then you have have an attention problem. You are... Overstimulated and you are unsatisfied. If you feel the need to check your phone when you are socializing with your friends or family, you are unsatisfied with your current moment, with the current moment in time, okay? So, one thing that you could do is think, okay, I'm gonna go out with my friends and whatever, I'm gonna put my phone on loud. So, if I have, you know, a phone call come through, I can take it, fine, that's okay. But I'm not gonna have my phone on the table, I'm gonna put it, you know, in my pocket or in my bag little things like that okay so that way and i don't care if your friends are doing it that's their prerogative you don't have to do it don't be like oh but everyone does it so i do it that mentality will get you fucking nowhere in life and that's the mentality that keeps you stuck in the same position to think oh i do it because everyone else does it be accountable and make some change for yourself you don't have to be the sheep and wait for other people to change many times i'm sitting at a table just sitting there and everyone is on their phone and then i think hmm, what can i learn from this moment okay i'll look around i wonder what they're doing do they seem do they seem happy on their phone right now do they seem bored I wonder why they're on the phone and then I notice oh that's a pretty light over there and so I have my moment where I'm sitting there when every other cunt is on their phone it's not all bad but I'm learning to be more present because I myself have had many moments where I've not been present at all and it's not served me so I'm now learning to do the opposite and I highly encourage you all to do the same then another thing you can do is of course every time you're doing something just think why am I doing two things instead of one? When you're watching TV, if you glance at your phone, turn the TV off because it means that you've lost interest in what's happening on the TV, okay? Or vice versa, if you're on your phone, why do you need the TV in the background? Things like that, you know. Um, the same, like you, you could you could do this in so many different areas of your life. But basically, think: Is it necessary for me to try and complete these two tasks in the one time? And if it's not necessary, don't do it. That is how you're going to start to increase your focus. Um, and to reduce your stimulation as well. So that's number two, reduce stimulation, which means stop trying to do two things at once. And then with the apps as well, maybe have allocated time that you can check. So one will be like, yep, in the morning, you do your normal check after you've, you know, worked out, for example. And then, you know, when you're taking a break from work, you can check check your apps again. So, instead of be doing it intermittently throughout the entire day, maybe have blocks throughout the day, okay? The next one is block your time. I've spoken about this before, so I'm not going to go into massive detail. But if you're trying to get a task done, you know, like an assessment, a piece of work that you have to get done. You're trying to write a letter to someone and it's a really difficult letter. doesn't matter what it is. Block your time and set a timer. The brain likes to look forward to things. So what I like to do is, for example, say I'm doing like a painful uni thing. I'll set like a 45-minute timer and I'll say, okay, I'm going to do four 45-minute slots today. But the good thing is I then set a 15-minute timer in between. So I do the 45 minutes of work and because my brain has that 15 minutes to look forward to, I actually have not much problem getting through those 45 minutes. And because I'm hyper-focused, I get more done in those 45 minutes than I would in two hours of broken focus easily, sometimes even three hours of broken focus. I get a lot done in those 45 minutes because I've told myself, this is all you're doing, but... You've got a break coming up really soon. Then when you get the 15 minutes, you do whatever the fuck you want. You scroll through your phone. You can watch, you know, I used to watch Modern Family in the breaks. So I'd like jump on, you know, Netflix or whatever, put Modern Family on, really, you know, get give my brain a rest and just chilled off hyper-focused awareness. Then the timer goes off again, bang, and then we set those 45 minutes again next block. That's what I mean by blocking your time. If your phone goes off, you do not answer it in those 45 minutes. You put that phone on silent, Okay. Now, number three. No, sorry, that was number three. Number four, reward yourself. That kind of goes into what I'm talking about, time blocking. But it can also be for more long-term things where you've shown yourself that you can sort of retain your focus for a long amount of time. But another thing that you could reward yourself with is say you wanted to really do something or say say you're saving up for something like I really want the pair of shoes but I can't afford it right now so I'm going to save up for it a really good way of finding out it's a whole delayed gratification thing that my mum used to drill into my brain but it's this try and get as much done of the stuff that you deem to be not that fun or not that pleasant and then treat yourself with something so say you want to buy the pair of shoes let's say now you've saved up the money you've got the money you just want to buy them don't buy them yet. Maybe think okay, when I've learned to do, you know, 10 minutes of meditation for 14 days in a row, then I'll let myself buy the shoes. So then, you know, you've got something to look forward to, but then you're also working towards something as well. So it's these little rewards that you can give yourself for doing it. So it's like it's twofold. You're actually doing something that by the 14 days, you're probably so into it that, yes, you can reward yourself with the shoes, but now you're in like a really good habit. You're like, wow, I've actually gained a lot from this. I'm now going to keep doing it. You know, the same goes for like um, where I was talking about blocking your time. My reward was the 15 minutes of watching Modern Family. So I would be like, if I can get these 45 minutes done – I treat myself with these 15 minutes of watching a show that I like. For example, okay, so – but it's nice to have rewards there because the brain loves to look forward to like, you know, a treat or something fun or whatever. And because the brain knows that that's there, it can then not stress or freak out or whatever. It thinks – if you never reward yourself and you always give yourself this instant gratification – then nothing is exciting anymore. We don't get thrilled anymore. Like, you know, those Even with children, you look at children that get given absolutely everything all the time and then we call them spoiled as if they've done something wrong when they don't get excited about getting something new. That's how they've been conditioned. They've been conditioned that when they want something, when they want a toy, they get it. When they want a toy, they get it. So how are they going to be excited? Whereas if it's a child that you're like, look, I know you really want this, but you're going to have to wait two weeks to get it. And if you, you know, if you help me do chores around the house, then you definitely get it in those two weeks. For example, like if you keep your room tidy, you get it for... Then when the child gets that thing in two weeks, they're going to be so thrilled and excited. They're going to be leaping up and down because they've been waiting for it. They've been anticipating. It's this whole like earning the reward, okay? And I think you always have to look at earning things in your life, even if it's for yourself, even if it doesn't include other people, you're going to be a lot happier when you have this sense of like, I'm working towards something that is where you feel quite fulfilled in your life. So not only is this great for your attention, but also you're getting that reward as well from yourself. Number five, learn to be present. This is again, goes back to the meditation. But what I started doing when I found like, oh my God, I'm really struggling to hold my focus is that I started doing this thing called like mindful moments in my day. Um, I actually haven't done it in a while and I need to get back into it because it's really, really good. But basically you have like a little, um, you can either have set times in the day or you can even have, you know, those like things that buzz when you need to drink water, you can do that. But basically I think you can do it on your, if you have an Apple watch, I think you can do it on that. I don't have one, so I'm not sure. But it's this concept that when it buzzes, or when you get this notification all the time, you then spend just 60 seconds being mindful. You can even do it with your eyes open. It's not like you don't have to close your eyes, but you just sit there, hands off task, sit there and you spend 60 seconds being hyper aware. What can I hear? What can I see? What can I smell? What can I taste? You've reset, you've reduced stimulation, you re- reduce that white noise. That life, you know, is around us, this constant white noise. You've reduced all that and now you're aware. Instead of everything being background, it's now in the forefront. You're like, okay, you slow everything down and then the 60 seconds is done and now you're more centred, you're more in the zone and then you can return back to your task. I can't recommend that high enough. That will increase your awareness massively. There's a really interesting – okay, so this ties into the last one which is number six, which is learn to be okay with being bored – Now, there's a really interesting TED Talk, I believe it is. If I can find the TED Talk, I'm going to put it up on my Facebook group, so bear with me. But the TED Talk is about this guy that talks about how he tried to be bored for one hour every single day to increase his focus. And he wanted to see what would happen. So, he started doing like really boring things, like reading binary, which is, you know, the ones and the zeros, which he doesn't comprehend, he doesn't know what, what they all stand for so for him it's literally one zero one one zero one like so that's what he was doing then for one whole hour then he'd be on hold with American Airlines for a full hour but the task that he said is what like the rules for him himself that he said himself was I've got to do this task but I'm not allowed to do anything else in the meantime so I can't be on hold while then playing a game on my phone I literally have to be bored For a full hour every single day. And then what happened, he did that for 30 days. And what happened was that because he allowed himself to be bored, then, and literally, and not do anything about it, just sit with this boredom, he started calming everything down. His nervous system relaxed, everything calmed down. His brain calmed down. It stopped seeking constant stimulation it stopped you know how with us we're like "Mm, I'm over this I'm not satisfied next 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 it stopped that mentality of what's next what's next what's next he was then more in this calm settled mind where creativity started to happen like he started being way more present on a task and being able to get it done because he didn't have his brain screaming I'm bored like give me something else to do because the brain's not bored it's just not satisfied so then you know, where he actually learned to be bored, he's like, yeah, it's kind of unpleasant, but I can kind of just sit here and be something that I've never fathomed doing in the past. And then you start to, when you're bored, you become creative. If you're struggling to come up with ideas for something, it's because your mind is constantly bombarded with shit that it's got a very limited capacity to come up with something creative. If you allow yourself stillness, i.e. what we would call boredom, That is when all the ideas arise. Think about why so many people get great ideas when they're in the shower. Because they're doing one task. They're just in the shower, right? They're just either washing themselves or standing underwater. But they're doing that one task. They're not trying to multitask. They're not on their phone. They're just in the shower. So that is your one moment in the day where you're like, okay, this is my downtime. This is the one time and that is where ideas come. That's why people are like, oh my God, I just thought of something because you had a moment of stillness. That is why it happened in the shower, you know? So I want you to start creating these moments for you as well. Maybe go for a walk with no headphones, no like put your phone in your pocket, put whatever, but no stimulation and just walk. Maybe set yourself just a 10-minute walk if you want, but being present on what you're doing on your walk. Start doing these things and all these ideas and, you know, creative moments are going to occur for you when you do that okay so those were the six points i'm going to break them down again we have number one train your focus that's how learning how to do one thing at a time you know if you're talking to a friend engage with your friend okay if you need to send a text message tell the friend to wait Send that text message. If you're driving, just drive. If you are watching the TV, just watch the TV. Number two, reduce stimulation. So pick pockets of time where you can be, you know, on your apps or doing this or you know, um, having your attention pulled by technology if you want to call it that okay number three block your time find those blocks so you can be hyper focused in those time blocks whether it's 10 15 20 45 minutes you choose block the time where you're not allowed to check your phone or any notification in that time Number four, reward yourself. Have something to look forward to for your brain can be like, okay, great. I actually want, you know, I'm really excited about that so I can really stick it out. This is not that hard. Number five, learn to be present. Have those mindful moments in the day. And number six, learn to be okay with being bored because bored is sort of the the breeding ground for creativity boredom is the breeding ground for creativity so write those down remind yourself of those things if you implement those things i can literally guarantee you i can bet my life on it that your attention span will increase dramatically you'll be able to hold your focus on something dramatically okay and if you don't do these things Number one, it's because you just don't want it bad enough. And number two, nothing's going to change, okay? So it's up to you. It is completely a choice. You have to make, you have to take action for things to change in your life. You can't wait for someone to do them for you. And if you're like, I know I tried, but I can't, you just don't want it bad enough. How bad do you want change? And if you don't want it bad enough, you're not going to elicit change, okay? You either take action or you make excuses, It is your call, okay? But if you want to start getting some serious shit done in your life, you need to change how you pay attention. You need to change how you engage with your tasks and how productive you are. Does it take you hours and hours and hours to get something relatively basic done? Or could you be a lot smarter with how you pay attention, block your time and get it done in a quarter of the time? Could you? Yes, you could. Are you going to do it? That's up to you. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you can take some of this on board. It's crucial. It's imperative at least implement one or two things to like not only make your life better but also to make your relationships better. Your relationships are infinitely better when you pay attention and when you give a fuck about somebody when they're in your presence, okay? That is – that is priceless to have a relationship where the two people are engaged when they are together all right guys love you so much thank you for listening my beans of life i will try and find that ted talk and put it on my facebook if someone knows what i'm talking about please jump on the facebook group and put it up there guys if you um aren't already a member of the facebook group it is Do you fucking mind with Alexis Fernandez? You just request to join and I bring everyone in. Um, And it's just a great community. I'm loving the community. Thank you so much, everyone that supports everyone else. We've got a really good thing going there. So I love it so much. Anyway, guys, have an amazing week. I will speak to you next week. Use or don't everything that I just gave you. Do what you want with it. Um, and remember always be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brain, don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.